Well, good morning. Uh, just a, a warning, this morning is not going to feel much like a sermon. And if you're new to us, I want you to know, normally, and here's what I mean by that, normally we focus heavily on, on Scripture and kind of make that the center of what we're talking about. So if, like, 20 minutes into the sermon, he's like, if you're thinking, is this preacher ever going to open the Bible? I will towards the end. But uh, we're doing a little bit of storytelling today. As Bree said, we're, we're, we're going to talk about where we've been as a church in the last 18 months, um, where we are now, and where we're going in the future. And I'm really excited about it because, um, to start, I'm going to tell you a story here in a second that I, um, some of you have heard this story, not nearly enough of you have. So I'm excited f- to tell the story because um, it, it's a great story, it's a personal story. It's a story that comes from July 2014. Um, it, it, it's a personal story from me and Christy. In July of 2014, I was kind of in this I knew what I wanted to do, but it was very open-ended as to how that might play out. I knew that I wanted to be a part of a church in Evergreen, um, and I, but I didn't know which one. And at the time, I wasn't working at a church. So I, I was literally like hanging out in parking lots as my office and just praying and, 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 and praying for people, praying for the, just Evergreen. I love Evergreen, so I'd just be around Evergreen. Um, and, and I didn't know what was next, but I knew kind of what I wanted to do. Long story short, I ended up um, from a, a series of, of different circumstances, I ended up at a, at a church planting conference, a conference designed to help people start church. They call it church planting. Now, just so you know, prior to that conference, I'd probably said three times in the last 12 months, I'm never going to start a church. Just hold on to that thought. So I, I'm at, but I'm at this conference because I got a chance to hang out with a guy that I respected, and he kind of invited me. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll clear my schedule, come to this conference. And um, within five minutes of being in that conference, I knew it was a bad idea. Like I was like in the wrong place. Because I found out very quickly, because what they did was there's about 50 people. It was like kind of like this, actually. And um, they, people stood up and, and said, hi, my name is John. I'm from Tulsa. And... Um, this is my team of people. We're starting a church later, you know, at the end of this year. And I quickly realized as one after another, all these people stood up to introduce themselves, that they were not uh, like exploring the option of starting a church. They were like step five of the eight steps that you need to do in order to start a church. And I'm, at that point in time, I'm looking for the door. I'm like, okay, I, I'm in the wrong place. But then, you know, classic, it's my turn to speak. So I stand up. And I say, hi, my name is Josh, I live in Evergreen, and I'm not starting a church. And I sat back down, and people looked at me like, like, what's wrong with you? And I looked back at them and thought to myself, what's wrong with you? Do you have any idea how hard it is to start a church? Why would you do that? And they're like, yeah, of course we do. We were step five of eight, you know, in the process of starting a church. And uh, honestly, like, this is actually just one of the first awkward moments for me in this conference uh, you'll see here in a second um it was one of those things where they hand you like a booklet like a workbook and then you kind of there's different sessions and you kind of go through it and uh maybe you've done something where you're filling in the blanks and they're talking about it i actually found it really helpful but i kind of just i kind of just filtered out all of the church starting stuff and just looked at it from a generic leadership standpoint you know what I mean? Like I was just you know, like I, I was like, oh, this helps. You know, I want to be a good leader, so you know, this is a good thought here. I'll keep, I'll hang on to that. About a day or two into the conference, um, they they said, you know, turn in your workbooks to page whatever, um, and we're going to do an exercise. And on that page in the workbook, 
Um, I was just looking at this page uh, last night with Jessica, actually, and um, I, on that, it was a blank page, and they said, write your name in the, the center, you know, circle in a circle it, and then um, write down all of the different, you know, all of the names of people in your town that you know that don't go to church. People that you know that, that probably are, are far from God or maybe don't know God. I was like, oh, I can do that. So I just started writing down my friends' names that I knew that didn't go to church, and I'm writing, I'm writing, and, and, and all of a sudden I kind of look up and I realize everybody in the room, this church planning room, it has this real pensive look on their face. Like, they, like they're filling out an essay or something like that. Like I'm like, just write down the names of your friends. Oh, I see. And I start to get cocky. I'm like, where are you at now, Mr. Step 5 of 8, you know? And, and I, I, I literally, I was, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I, I was cocky for a moment. I was like, ah, I, I, this is, I know a lot of people in my town. And then all of the sudden, I, I mean, I got 40, 50 names on, on the page, and I, I set the pen down. And I actually began to weep. Because I was like, these are my friends. These are my, gosh dang it. These are people that I love. And these are people that don't go to church. And, and some of their stories I knew. And I knew their stories. And if their story was my story, if I wouldn't go to church either. If, you know what I mean? If they, I had experienced what they, my experience growing up in church was amazing. I love church. I, it, it changed my life. But it didn't theirs. And then the other half of people, I didn't know their story, but they probably had good reasons too. And, and so I started to weep about that. And then it was like this one-two punch. That was the first punch. The second punch was I started to realize as many people as I knew and how cocky I was about that, that was just scratching the surface for how many people in this town don't go to church. I knew the numbers. I knew that like, it's, it's only like 10 to 12% of this town is in church right now on a Sunday morning. I knew I knew the numbers, and, and I knew that even if the, the people decided to come to church, there wasn't enough seats, there wasn't even close to enough seats in this town for them to come. 10,000 plus people in our tiny little town that don't go to church for whatever reason, probably good ones. Maybe, maybe they, they were burned by the church. Maybe, they, maybe they're like, yeah, I, I don't go to church because I know enough Christians. <laughs> Maybe they don't go to church because it's like, they just don't think about it. Like, it's just never, it's just never thought, they've never thought of going. Whatever the reason, I was wrecked. I, I was, I, I literally, again, once again, people started looking at me weird because I had, I'm not just those little tears. I'm talking like ugly face, scrunchy face, crying. And, and people are like, what is wrong with this guy? And I, I left the room. Um, and it took 45 minutes for me to compose myself to come back. And I, I went back into the room, and there was a guy there named Steve, and he and I, we met there, and um, we're still in touch to this day. He's helped a lot with stuff around here and um, from afar. But he, I, I said, Steve, you got to pray for me. I, I just, I, I feel this weight. I, I feel like I'm getting crushed right now. And... Um, Basically, uh, what, what happened at, 
See, I, I, I want to make sure that you understand something here because I know I'm weird. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I recognize this. I'm not normal. Um, but I want you to see something. The reason why this breaks my heart so much is not that I wanted like, oh no, people aren't going to church. What are they going to do on Sunday morning? Like, you know, like it's just like we got to do something so Evergreen has something to do on Sunday. I mean, look outside. Come on. I mean, that wasn't it at all. To understand why my heart was so broken, it is, it, it, yes, it didn't have to, it, it was, I was broken about the church because of what I believed about God. That God is a God of love. And that he loves this town, and, 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 and even if we hold him at arm's length, he still longs for us and wants us to come closer to him. And, and, and the, this, is, this is also what I believed, and this is why I was heartbroken, is I believe this, and, and you might not agree with this, but there's a group of us here who believe this, that the best way to experience the love of God should be through the local church. That the best way, the most tangible you know, real experience that, that, that to, have, to, to be able to feel the love of God, the best way to do that should be to go, like to, to be a part of the local church. It's the, it's the, way to, it's the best way to get the quickest hit. <laughs> it's the, it's the, the, the clear, it should be the clearest expression. If you're ever doubting God's love and his care for you, you should, like, it, you should feel his love, not when you come into a church building, although that might be it, you should feel his love when you're around his people. That the best way to experience the love of God should be through the local church. And, and, and here's why. It's, it's actually pretty simple. One of, if you look in the New Testament, one of the most um, common analogies for the church is, is uh, Paul talks about it a lot, other writers, the body of Christ. That, that you as, we as a church, when we assemble, we are the body of Christ. That, that when we are together, this is the closest somebody can get to seeing Jesus. That's the way it should be. And here's the thing about Jesus. We talk about this a lot. People who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. So people who are nothing like us should like us. Jesus just lived his life in such a way. You know, I could talk about a long time about Jesus in this church, but here's what I want to highlight. I could talk about people were drawn to Jesus because of his miracles, because they got food when he was around. You know, like, uh, if nothing else, it's great A entertainment. I mean, it's just like, what's he going to do next? Is he going to rip that guy a new one again? You know, like, it's just, it it was like a daytime television show sometimes. You know, like, I got to watch this, but, you know, like, anyway, that's a sidetrack. One of the thing I think drew people to Jesus the most was not the food, was not the miracles, was not the show. I honestly think that what drew people to Jesus the most was the way he talked about God. That was different than what a lot of these people growing up in even a religious society, a different way of looking at God than they had looked at him. Jesus called him father, which was a fairly new thing. And then he, he told his disciples, you should do the same as well. This is how you should pray our Father, our Daddy, our, our Abba, who art in heaven. You know, he would go around and he talked in parables a lot. You know, parable, the kingdom of heaven's like this, the kingdom of heaven's like this. Do you know how God thinks about you? Picture a lost coin, a lost sheep, a lost son. If you've had, yeah, every, we've all lost something. 
And we know that feeling. We know the stress. We know the anxiety. We know what it means to ask for help. You know, help me find this. It's kind of like that when God loses you. There's a, my favorite parable is short, the shortest parable. is about a guy Jesus talks about. I'm going to blow some of your minds right here in a second. You ready for this? There's this parable. Uh, he says, the kingdom of heaven uh, is, is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he went away, sold everything he had, bought that field, and then dug up that treasure. It's, it's like this, this, I think it's his shortest parable, and in that we see the, what, you know, like what it's like to come to God to find faith, right? You know, you've always thought of this, like this idea of digging up treasure and, and, and finding something of great value that you're willing to you know, give up things for in order to follow. Catch this. You can say the flip side of that with that parable too. That that's not only what we're supposed to do when we find God, that's, that's what God did to find us. He sold everything. Did you, did you hear some moos there? I got some moos out of there. If you're new to faith, Christians like to moo. <laughs> you just, just roll with it. It's, it. We find things meaningful. But God, yeah, mm, thank you. But God is, sold everything. He gave his only son to buy that field. You can moo. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, the way he talked about God changed everything and people were drawn to it. There should be something about our faith that expresses it the same way. See, the problem is, is when we say the word church to anyone, to each other, something comes to mind. And I'm wondering, I, I worry sometimes <laughs> that the first thing that comes to mind is the love of God. You know what I mean? Or is it a building? Or is it, you know, church history? Or is it a bad Christian experience? Is it, what is it? And what, but when we say the, the, the word church, something comes to mind. So that's kind of a, let's go back to my story. That's what I was feeling at that point in time. was the weight. And if you don't see it that way, that's okay. This is just what I was feeling at that moment. The 10,000 plus people that when we say the word church, they might be missing what church really is. It's about a loving God. And it, at that moment, and, and, and I, I, I hesitate. I was talking to Jessica about this. Like, I hesitate sometimes, like, and then everything changed. You know what I mean? Like, those moments. It, it wasn't like, a lot changed that day, but not like that. Honestly, God had been working in my heart for a, year, a couple of years before this in this direction. I had a heart for Evergreen. But what I stepped out of that conference that day, calling Christy, I, I called her and I said, if not us, who? If we're not going to start a church, who is it? If we're not going to be, be the kind of church, who is it going to be? And we, we, I stepped out of that conference, not, not with a new idea or a new burden per se, but with a new courage and a new resolve to be like, let's go do this. The months to follow were fun. We started talking to people, you know, like, in, in, in we'd have lunch with people and say, this is kind of what's going on in our hearts. And we started praying for people, like, Lord, we can't do this by ourselves. So we, we, we assembled what we called the launch team in December of 2014, and this is the launch team here at a conference in March the, the next year. Um, there's 10 people, there's a couple people missing from that, but uh, some of them are here today. It, mem memorize these faces. Please do me a favor. Don't leave today, every single one of you, without giving them a hug. Because this is the group of people that has, has given the most thus far for Colorado Life Church. 
the 2015 and the, the months leading up to us starting the church, those were hard months as we were trying to figure out the timing, figuring out the finances, figuring out the staffing, figuring out we prayed like crazy, we met people, um, and they, they rolled with, you guys rolled with us so well. It, it, was, it was a true honor to be a part of that together. Um, that was the launch team, and, and we did something in June of 2015 called Blueprint. Raise your hand if you were a part of Blueprint. Uh, just uh, see, yeah, there's a few of us here. Yeah, there's quite a few of us here, actually. Blueprint was our way. Um, we decided as a launch team, we're like, we can't, you know, even with 10 of us, we can't do this. So let's, let's cast the net a little wider, and let's try to find a group of people. And the, the idea of, blue, we called it Blueprint because we wanted to get a bunch of different people on the same page for a different kind of church. We wanted to, to get people on the same page for a different kind of, of church. Um, and, and here's the thing, from the very beginning, I, I, I think my key job during Blueprint is we weren't trying to get a group of people together to make a church. <laughs> we were trying to get a group of people together and convince them that they is the church. <laughs> You know, like that, 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 this, that this, this right now, yeah, I, this is church, but this isn't church. Does that make sense? This isn't the full extent of church. Uh, how many of you remember from Blueprint the, the phrase, since God has placed us in, uh, strategically, let's live intentionally? And we hung those things on our cars, and some of you still have them. We were trying to convince a group of people that, that, that we are the church. Yes, we're going to, in a sense, make a church, but we are the church. And, and one of my favorite things um, that came out of Blueprint was this ladder right here. Um, this was something that, that as a launch team we, were, we talked about one day. It's, like it's kind of like we want to make a church that, that's like a ladder that has the bottom rungs. We want to be a church that, that has the bottom rungs on the ladder from anybody who wants to come and climb the ladder towards God. Anybody. If the 10,000 plus people in our tiny little town actually decide to come to church, we decided we want to be the kind of church that makes things accessible for them. That, 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 that yeah, we're a place where you can belong before you believe. A place where you can come in and a place where you can invite your friends and, and, and even if they don't believe everything that we believe, they can come and it's a good experience, it's a clear experience, it's a helpful experience. And in the end, they might be like, I don't know if I believe everything they say, but can I come back next week? That's what we taught, that was what it was to be. We wanted to be a church that put the bottom rungs on the ladder of this experience called church. And, and we also, again, this idea, like, we wanted to convince you. I, my, my role at that time was like, was CCO, Chief convincing officer. It still is right now. Like it's my job is like kind of what the leader, the point leader is I'm constantly just trying to convince us to see not only like should church this be this way, but catch this. This is so important. Not only do we want to be the a church that puts the, the rungs on the bottom of the ladder so that people can climb up. We, we said from day one that you, that you are the bottom rung. That you are actually the biggest rung. You know how a ladder the, the gets wider towards the bottom and the biggest rung is, is, is the bottom one? That's you. Because here's the deal. We said this from the beginning. We, we, can, we can do work hard. We can do a ton of good work to, to make the experience on Sunday morning a phenomenal experience for friends that you invite that don't believe what you believe. But the problem is, is why are they going to come? 
in the first place. You know what I mean? We can do this song and dance as, as well as, as we can, but the reality is, is if we don't have a group of people who are the bottom rung, who, think, who see that they are the church, we're going nowhere. Because we, we need to be out there. I put it this way. The closest that some people will get to church, given their experience, given their ideas of what, what comes to mind when, when they think of church, and we would be, think the same way if we had their experiences, probably. The closest that some, some, a lot of these people will get to church is you. I have a dear friend named Tyler Nelson who just got a tattoo right here um, with Roman numeral 67 on it. And, and he told me about it before he was going to get it. And, and he, said there's, you know, uh, he said, I want to get this tattoo because there's 66 books in the Bible. And I want to be the 67th book. Isn't that cool? There's a, some mooing. That was great. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Because he's like, there's a lot of people in this world for whatever reason that will never crack the Bible. But they'll hang out with me. He gets it. That's what we're trying to, from the day one blueprint was, we are going to be the church. And, and if, if you, we will be the church, and, we will, and if you will go and be the church and, and, and invite friends to church when it's appropriate, don't be that guy. Come on, we just, you know, do I, can I just go without saying that? Don't be, you know, come to church with me every time. Okay, seriously, get away, you know, chasing people around. Let's not be that, but, but, but let's be intentional with our relationships. And when appropriate, hey, when, hey, life's not going good, come to church with me this Sunday. You, I, I know you might not believe that, but can I just tell you how helpful it's been to me? We need to be a church that, that, that is the bottom rung. And, and that's, that's what ended with Blueprint. Go ahead and put that next picture up. This is the group after Blueprint that, that committed to attending, that committed to giving. I think that we raised like $60,000 pledged at the end of, of Blueprint. You guys gave generously. From the beginning, we've had people with just, the generosity is part of our DNA. It's so cool. And these guys, these pictures mean so much to me. Because it's just, I'm humbled by it, like, that, that, that you guys would, you guys, you guys were nuts. That, that group right there is nuts. You guys had no clue what was coming. Like, we, I, we, we talked about church, but we didn't, you had no idea what you were getting yourself into. Thank you. Thanks for, for following us. So we, so we launched, uh, we launched on uh, October 11th, 2015. Um, and it was such an awesome day. Uh, it was it was so fun. Uh, it, we used we did it at the place called the cat. We called it the castle. It was a uh, half a mile from here. Um, we had this basement floor. We thought it was the greatest place in the world. And I realize now, like that was a dungeon down there. <laughs> we called it the dungeon actually of the castle, you know, because the building was beautiful, but the place we were in was not. Um, it was a good day, and we started to you know the process of putting the rungs. <coughs> on the bottom of the ladder so that people could climb and, and, and grow in their faith. And uh, put the next slide up. We, we did series, you know, for the, we did series called Awkward Family Photos. Some of you guys remember. Ask it, the wisest question, you know, the best question ever about wisdom. White flag, love where you live. Tetris, you guys remember Tetris? Good content. And, and, and from the get-go, uh, what's been really fun is to watch people who are normally don't come to church. They give us, you know, they give us a chance because it's like, I guess we'll go see Josh and Christy you know, they, you know, or your friends or whatever. I'll, I'll give you one chance. And they come away and they say, that was helpful. 
uh, which is what we set out to do from the beginning. Um, we did life groups. We, we cared for uh, a lot of you. Have, uh, jo- raise your hand if you've been a part of a life group here at, at CLC. Yeah, it's, it's a huge part of what we do. We've always said from the beginning. In fact, we started life groups before we started the church. We, met in, we ended Blueprint in September, and for the six weeks before we launched, we met in life groups because we, wa- we said we want to have life groups before there was church, you know, or church, you know, Sunday morning. Um, it's important to us. Circles are better than rows. We've always said that from the beginning, of to connect you guys. Um, kids' life. The, the kids' life, uh, we, we have parents that are getting dragged back by their kids because those kids are having so much fun back there. In fact, they've had to adjust their schedule and do the quiet things while I'm talking because they're so loud sometimes, and then they do their loud stuff while we're worshiping. Um, photo booth Sundays, Bronco Sundays, uh, we, we call them awesome Sundays where we just hang out afterwards. Um, and, then, and then what's cool is, so we met about 50% of the time in 2016. We met every other week in 2016. At the end of 2016, God laid on our heart a burden called Scatter Church. Um, and this is so exciting. We were able to hire Jessica Petzl at the end of last year, and she's come on and just, uh, uh, th- guys, in the next three months, here's what's happening with Scatter Church, okay? Next week, we're going to go help 10 seniors in, in our area who are maybe shut in, maybe just can't do things around the house, kind of spring cleaning things. We're going to go do them for them. In the following month, we're going to pack 200 backpacks that will go to Syrian refugee kids, uh, through World Vision, we're going to transform this room into conveyor belts that you and your kids can, you know, pack those bags, and we'll talk about what, what those mean. Uh, this, the, the month after that, we're hoping to crash a little league baseball game just down the street. You guys will show up, and we'll say, okay, you guys, you root for Team Blue. You guys root for Team Red, and let's go make them feel like the Cubs. Um, that's Scatter Church, if you, know, if you, if you want to know what Scatter Church is. That's been a blast, and we've just started to scratch the surface. By the end of the year, here's what's going to happen. This, this is what I get most excited about. I love the events, but the idea behind Scatter Church, again, if, if we're going to be the bottom rung, and this is us helping, giving us a chance to be the bottom rung and do the things, frankly, that a lot, a lot of us think, ah, I should help more. Oh, I should teach my kids more about this kind of stuff. We're just feeling that, you know, like, here, check that box. You know, today you're able to check that box and say, come with us and let's, let's go do this. But the, by the end of the year, Jessica Petzl is taking this, this, um, this town by storm. We will know every, every major uh, ever, evergreen nonprofit and the leaders of those, and, and we'll have a working relationship with them because of your volunteerism. Isn't that great? Uh, we've dreamed about that from the beginning of not just being a church, but being a community asset <laughs> to people who are outside the church. Um, and that's what we're doing through Scatter Church. So that's, that's some of the things that we've done. It, I was thinking about it like, well, okay, so what's happened? You know, like the whole blueprint, like that group of people, that blueprint group of people, what's changed since in the last 18 months? And there's kind of this X factor. There's this thing that's hard for me to understand because like the numerically we're not different. But there's so much that has happened. And I came down to it this week as I was preparing this. I was like, here's what's different. We are closer. We are tighter. We are, we are closer to each other, and we're closer to God as a result of these efforts together. I mean, if nothing else, think about this. Look around the room. How many of, you, how many of these people did you know two years ago? Even, even myself, like, I, I didn't know hardly any of you. And some of you I didn't know well, and now it's like we're brothers and sisters. We are closer because of what we've done together. 
Uh, we've been baptized. We, we've found home. We've found a place to belong. Our kids drag us to church. You know, we've been reconnected. Uh, we've, we've found common heart for, for a community and doing things through church in a community. Uh, we started reading the Bible. So we're, clo- we're connecting with God that way. We started, we, 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 we've, we're trying to make wise decisions. We, we come here and we, we, we read the word together and then we apply it to our lives. And it's changed our lives. Mine included. I want you to know that. Like just because I'm teaching this stuff doesn't mean I know it. <laughs> that makes sense? <laughs> you should still listen to me, but... <laughs> You know, uh, we, we've, we've been connected for the first time. We've come back home. <laughs> Some of us have crossed the line of faith. That's what's happened in the last. That's it's where we are now. It's we're closer to one another. And it's awesome. And, and, and we truly feel like the best is yet to come. For us and for a lot of other people. But there's some barriers that we're facing right now. And we've been talking really, really um, frankly about those barriers and there's, we've narrowed them down to two different barriers that we feel like these are the two biggest barriers that are facing us as a church. And there are these, these two things. Our irregular meeting schedule and critical mass. Um, by the irregular meeting schedule, you know what that is, right? It's how many of you have tried to Describe to somebody the meeting schedule at Colorado Life Church. Just go ahead and raise your hand, please. Yep. Okay, good. This is good. So we meet, we have this thing called Gather Church on first and third Sundays. And then every fourth Sunday, we have Scatter Church. Unless there's a fifth Sunday, then we have Gather Church, but we never have church on the second Sunday of the month. Did you get all that? I've had people look at me literally... Like, are you trying to make it hard for me to attend the church? And it, it's so frustrating because we're really, really not. We, we want to be the type of church that puts the bottom rungs on the ladder. And we know that we, this is not one of the things that's helping us. So thanks for rolling with us for that. But we know that's a barrier. The other barrier is, is critical mass. And critical mass is just simply what... Uh, what it takes, the amount of people needed in to make a room feel good. You know what I mean by that, critical mass? Everybody with me on that? Um, there's, there's a point in time where a room can be too full, and, and that's uncomfortable for our psyche. We're strange creatures. You know, like, we, 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 that's hard for our psyche when a room's too full. That's not our problem. Our problem's the other side. When, when a room's too small, and it's the crickets and the, you know, and uh, or people look, you know, if people notice that I'm new here, that kind of stuff. It just, there's a room doesn't, and no room feels good when it's empty. And so we know that like, there, there, and here's the thing with, with this, we, we decided that we ha- we've done a f- the phenomenal job. We have a lot of hearts in the game. You guys' hearts are in the game. There's, there's, there's about 40 people, a core group of people who's, we have your hearts. We just don't have a lot of butts in the seats right now. <laughs> and honestly, if you gave me the choice between one or the other, I'll take hearts not time, 10 times out of 10. You know what I mean? Like, I'll take hearts every time. But there's a point in time where you need butts in the seat as well. You need both. And then we have to get to that point. 
And here, just so you guys know, we're not afraid of small. Uh, and neither should you be. We're not afraid of small because God, part of it is, there's, there's a few different reasons. Part of it is God is, from day one with this venture, has always given us what we needed. He's always giving us what the, the finances we needed. He's always given us the buildings we've needed. He's always given us the people we needed to do what we need to do. And so we're just confident in that. But the, a second point is, like, the second reason why we're not afraid of small is, is it seems like God loves small. No, or let me rephrase that. It seems like God likes to do big things with small things. Take small things to do really big things. You know, Gideon. He's like, yeah, that, that, that's 32,000. That's too many men. I want 300 to go up against hundreds of thousands. You know, David, I want you, David, to go after Goliath. Uh, Jesus came. You know, came down. The, the Son of God came down to the earth didn't travel more than 200 miles from where he was born and hung out primarily with 12 men. God's not afraid of small. He loves to do big things through small groups of people. If God loves small, we might be his favorite church in town. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and honestly, like, so we're not afraid of small. If in a couple years you know, or in the future, like we're still having this conversation, that's something different. But for right now, I want you to know something. We talk about it this way. We think we're in the glory days right now. No, no, the good old days. I meant the good old days. You know what I mean? That one of my favorite quotes from television is uh, from The Office. At the end of The Office, one of the last episodes, Andy Bernard's talking about like this and that, and this is what's happened. And he's like, man, I just wish you could know that you were in the good old days before they were gone, or something like that. I love that quote. I want to tell you, we're in the good old days now. There's, there's going to be something. Yeah, in the future, we'll, we'll love what, what God has done through us. But I think for those of us who are in the room now, we will look back on this period with a certain fondness and sweetness of like when we were able to break bread and be together with one another, when we knew everybody's name. I, 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 that's what I think. I think we're, we're in the good old days now. And you might think we're crazy, but it's how we feel. Just so you know, we know these barriers are facing us. And we decided that we could kind of just kind of dance with them and, and they'd probably fizzle out and we'd probably be okay. But we decided that we want to, instead of dancing with them, we want to blow them up. We want to play with some dynamite and just blow them up. And, and here's, here's how we're going to do that by 2018. We're going to get to every Sunday. By the end of this year, our goal is to, to get to have church every Sunday. We think that's a big thing that's holding back people engaging with us. Just so you know, in order to do that, to get to every Sunday, um, the staff is committed to funding a new hire and finding a new hire. Um, the long and the short of it is, as is, is much as you enjoy my communication, I hope you do, I mean, you keep coming back, so I would assume you, you, there's something about it you like. As much as you like um, my preaching, you wouldn't like my preaching if I had to do it twice as much as I'm doing now. It just wouldn't be good. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to pray about it. I wouldn't be able to put the time into it needed. So we need to go find another key communicator that can share this load. And it's, probably, it's best to have that. It's a, a healthy churches have m many communicators, and we, we've decided that's, that's something we're going to chase. And that allows us to blow up that barrier of a regular meeting schedule. That's one of the things. If, uh, so we're going to go. We, felt, we feel called to fund that person first before we find them. So we're working on funding. 
Hint, hint, if you would like to be a part of that, come talk to me. There's, you see what I did there? Yeah, um, yeah honestly, if, if that's something that you would like to give extra above and beyond towards, that's something that would be worthwhile. It, it, it's something we're excited about. Um, that's, we feel like that getting to every Sunday, there's, a, there's a, you know, like a worship team gap there that, we'll, that we're working on. There's a volunteer gap. We're working on that kind of stuff. So that we, we think that getting to every Sunday is really kind of a staffing issue. That, that's something that we will, we will shoulder and we will take care of. The second issue of critical mass, this is where we need help. We need you to, to step in. And this is kind of like, if you're new to Colorado Life Church, I'm really glad you're here today because you'll know exactly what we're about. But this is kind of family talk time. So let me talk to the family quick. We, here's, here's how, we, we, in order to blow up that barrier, we need to gain critical mass. Um, and, and here's what we're going to ask from you. We, if, 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 you l- if you believe in what's going on here at Colorado Life Church, we're going to ask three things of you. We're going to ask you to attend. <laughs> if you believe in Colorado Life Church, we want you to come. We want you to come as much as possible. And, and we know that the scheduling is horrible. So do us a favor. When you get home today, hop online um, we're, we're, if sign up to get an email, we'll email, we're going to email you the schedule, the, you know, the set schedule for the rest of the year. We'll have gathered church, we'll have scattered church. Put that on your calendars. Put that on your day and timers. We're the type of people, there's many people in this room, if something's going to get done, it's not going to get done unless it's written down. So that was what we would ask, if, is, is attend. The second thing is volunteer. Now, so this is a funny conversation. I was, I was talking with somebody from a big church t- today, or this last week, and he's asking how things were going. And, and I was like, yeah, we're small, but things are, it's just so good, man. And he's like, he's like, you know, what percentage of volunteer do you have? I'm like, I don't know, like 100? <laughs> like, like everybody's, you know, everybody's chipping in, which is great. And, and here's what I mean by volunteer. Right now we have a system that's kind of like a la carte week by week. We want to change that. Uh, you could do us as a staff a huge favor so we can focus on these other things, making church great and fu- funding and finding that person, that kind of stuff. One of the things, one of the ways you can help huge, I mean, this is like maybe upwards of 10 hours a week that we spend getting you all um, set up to volunteer. Today, we're going to give you a chance at, before you leave to sign up to volunteer. What we're asking is, is, is attend church, but then once a month, all we're asking is if everybody signed up to to do the first Sunday of every month in kids' life or in um, guest services or as in the tech area. That would help us so much that we would be able to blow up that b- uh, barrier or move towards getting on a rhythm where we can have church every Sunday and, and which will help with critical mass. Um, so I know a lot of you are volunteering now. If we could ask you to volunteer on a regular schedule, and, and, if you, you know, like, and even if you're like, I don't know my schedule in October, just sign up and we'll figure it out when we get there. But please, please, if that was one of the ways that you can help us immensely. And then the last one is invite. Would you be willing to invite your friends to this experience, to come join us? Your heart is in the game. Would you help us get more butts in the seats? Um, would, you, would, you, would you be the bottom rung? Would you be able to live, you would be willing to live your life in such a way that, that you look to see the contact that you have with other people? Because here's the reality. As good as the band is, as good as my preaching is, as good as the kid's life is, guess what that can't do? That can't be a good neighbor to your neighbor. It just can't. It's, it's, it's relegated to this building, but you're not. 
it can't, as good as a Sunday morning experience is to make us feel like we belong somewhere, people need a place to belong more than just on Sunday mornings. There are, that, that's been a big theme in, in, in a lot of stories recently. It's just like, I didn't know where I belonged. You know how many people fall in that category? And they probably won't come to church and find belonging here. They'll probably belong with you first. It's just kind of how it works. Would you guys be willing to be the bottom rung and live, yourself, live your lives in such a way? And if you're not, a, this is not an extrovert thing. This is just a thing. This is just a, like you have more contact, casual contact with more people than you realize. With your barista, with your, if you sat down, like what, what, who, what's the name of the person in your doctor's office who's in the front desk? That's a person you maybe see once every quarter, once, you know, once every month. It depends, if you go, you know, it depends on, do you know their name? You could know their name and you could turn that casual contact into a meaningful connection? Would you be willing to do that? And I'm not talking everywhere you go. I'm not talking hundreds. I'm talking a handful. Would you be willing to do that with us? There's a story in the Bible, in the New Testament, of there was a time when a group of Christians decided to blow up a barrier that was holding back the church. I love this story because you, you're probably... You may not be familiar with it. It's, it's not a popular story. And I, I remember when I, I, I really paid attention to it a couple of years ago. And it, it's really, this has become, the verse I'm going to share with you today is, is my favorite verse right now. It was about 15 years after Jesus died, rose from the, again, ro- rose from the grave, gathered up his group of, of, of guys and said, listen, we're gonna cha- you know, this is going to change the world, but you're going to go and do it. I, all of authority in, in heaven and earth has been given to me, but you, I want you to go and tell other people about it. And he left, and about 15 years later, what happened is, you, is some of you are familiar with it, within a, within a, a, a month or two, thou, uh, went from a couple hundred people, thousands of people started to, to come to this faith, primarily from the Jewish religion. It was primarily Jews, but Jesus had made it clear in the beginning in here, in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and beyond. This is not like a Jewish thing. This is a world thing. And what had happened was, um, as, as some of the guys like Paul and Peter um, and Philip, they started going out outside of the region. They started running into people outside of the Jewish faith that, were, that they called Gentiles. And, and there's some, what I love about the Bible is it's so honest. There's this one encounter where Peter Literally, in order for, for God to get Peter's attention to go talk to some Gentiles, <laughs> some of you might even know this story, Peter, he has to like appear to him in a dream like three times and basically pound him and say, go to this house, go to this house, go to this guy's house. Here's his, literally, God says, here's his address on Straight Street. If you've never read the story, it's literally like, I can't make it clear, Peter. I want you to go talk to these people. And Peter's like, I don't know, they're Gentiles. And God's like, good Lord. This is just not, you know, Jesus, you picked the wrong guys, man. This is just not happening. So, so Peter finally goes, and he, you know, in his, in his graciousness, he walks into the house, and he says these words. He's like, he's like well, you Gentiles know that we, we Jews, it's actually, it's actually, it makes us unclean to, to hang out with you. But God sent me here. Thanks. 
You know, like, like, what are you supposed to say to that? But what happened was, is this whole household had encountered the living Jesus Christ, and, and the Holy Spirit was in their life, and it, it changed. And Peter, for the first time, this, and guys, this is 15 years after Jesus had died and rose again. It, that's how long it took them to get through this. And that's why I love the Bible. It's honest. The heroes are not heroes sometimes. They're jerks. <laughs> They walk in, and, and, and he sees this expression of faith that he'd never seen before. And he's like, what do we do with that? So he, they literally, it got to a point, and this was happening all over the place. Paul was like everywhere, and he didn't have this problem with Gentiles. He was like, yeah, come on in. You know, like, and, and, and I'll pray for you, and we'll hang out, we'll eat together. And, and, and they were trying to figure out, so what do they have to do? Because here's the thing. The, and, and in their defense, they had these, the, the Jewish religion at the time had 1,613 laws from the Old Testament and probably equally as amount of, of other laws or traditions that they had enfolded into their religion at that time. And so here they are as Jews, and Jesus was, was Jewish. He was 100% through and through Jewish. He, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it, right? You remember that? So they're wrestling like, so do you have to be a Jew to be a Christian? And, and so they're wrestling with this, and they had a council. They pulled together all the leaders. They're like, Paul, get back here from wherever you are. Get over here. Peter, come back. You know, like, we got to talk about this because we got to figure this out. And here's the, here's the thing. What was the sticking point out of those 613 laws? There's this one called circumcision. Now, you think that it's hard for men to go to church now. Can you imagine if they hadn't gotten this one right? And, and, and you're inviting your, your, <laughs> your bro to church, <laughs> and he, know, you know, he brings his family, and the family gets out, and he's, like, he's just sitting at the car like, just give me a second. I don't know if I can, you know, like, I don't know if I'm ready for church yet, if that's what that means. So they brought this council together, and they're like, everybody's talking about, we saw this, we've seen Gentiles do this. They're like, the, the, God is in them. <laughs> what do we do? And this, I love this moment, and this pivotal moment. James, the brother of Jesus, stands up. James, the brother of Jesus, what would it take for your brother to convince you that you're the son of God? <laughs> uh, or that he's the son of God? He, 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 he stands up and he says, you know, all this is happening. You know, this has happened and this has happened. And, and, he, he, and then he boils it down to this one line in James 15, 19. It is my judgment, therefore. Brothers, here's how I think we should look at this. That we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Guys, I know, I know, I know. There's the, the, sac the, there's the sacrifices. There's, the, there's the, the, the clothes we're supposed to wear. There's the dietary laws. There's circumcision. But in my opinion, if people want to come and experience the living God, let's not make it hard. Let, let's, let's put the bottom rungs on the ladder. We should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. <laughs> I love that because our mandate is the same today. In every generation of our faith, the expression of, of our faith in every generation has probably come up against something where it, we, faith has become resistible for some reason. And Christians have not done a good enough job of getting rid of the things in the way so that people don't resist our faith. And it's our turn to do that now. 
I ask you to do it with your lives. I ask you to live in such a way, to express your faith in such a way that it's very, very sensitive to people who don't have your story. Yes, yeah, like faith is meaningful to you. These forms are meaningful. These songs are meaningful to us. The Bible, but these songs, this, this meeting, the Bible is offensive to some people, but it need not be if we live in such a way. If we, do, if we, if, if we make it not difficult for those who are turning to God. And if you do that, we will work our tails off that if, if you bring a friend to church on Sunday, that it will not be difficult for them if they're turning to God to be with us, to find it helpful, and for church to be what it should be, the best expression of the love of God that there is. Let's do it. Let's make it not hard. Let's, let's put the bottom rungs on the ladder. And you're the bottom rung. You're the, you're the biggest rung. Let's be the church. Let's be the, the bottom rung. What does Evergreen think when they hear the word church? What does your neighbor think when they hear the word church? Your coworker, your barista. Do you know? Would you find out? Would you do what it takes to find out? And lastly, let's put that up on the slide. Would you attend? Would you volunteer? Would you invite? And if you do, I think we can blow up some barriers and see a lot of people climb this ladder. We can do that together. And I'm excited to do it with you. Thank, thank you. I, I want to make sure I, that I, I, I am clear. Thank you. I know I'm asking people who have given a lot to keep giving and give maybe even a little bit more. Thank you. Thank, thanks for, for rolling with us. It's fun. It's, it's good. Um, if, if, if you're a person who's listening online, uh, I, I, want them, I want you to consider as well, would you, would you attend? Would you volunteer? Would you invite friends? Would you join us? Even just give us, give us to the end of the year. Give us to the end of this, this calendar year, and let's do it. Okay? Let me pray. Yeah, we can clap. That's good. Let, let, let's pray together. God, I love this place. I, I thank you so much for it. I thank you for what you're doing. Um, I thank you for who you are, who you've called us to be. Thanks for this story. Thanks for, for breaking my heart in July of 2014. And thank you that that still breaks my heart today. And I know that I know I'm not alone. I know that this burden is, is a burden that a lot of us share. Would you give us the wisdom to, to know what to do next, to invite, to attend, to, to give? And then would you give us the courage to do it? Lord, we, we are people who want to fulfill the commitments we make. So we want to we, we make bold commitments, but we also want to fulfill them, Lord. And, and I pray that you would, you would give us that clarity and wisdom today. Thank you for this group of people that I've just, I've, I've never loved a group of people like this before. Such a gift. Thanks that you are with us, that we can, we can feel your presence today as we sing songs and worship your name. Pray that you be with us in the future. We look forward to see what you do, not only out there in Evergreen, but also in our very lives, our own lives. Everybody said, amen.